Welcome to ATVS, the podcast, all things big and small. I'm Jeff, and I'm very happy you're here. My guest today is doing good in our world. She's the founder of Kids Play International, a nonprofit organization which aims to promote gender equality and the Olympic values by introducing less familiar sports to children in post-genocide affected countries like Cambodia and Rwanda. Let's jump right in with Tracy Evans. Hey, you guys, it's Sharpie. I'm the guest from episode number 20. I like to travel to the edge of the known universe and peer over the edge to see what's out there. It's sort of like digging below the surface, tapping into the electromagnetic network of fungi and tree roots to try and figure out what they're talking about. Spread the word to anyone who you think may be interested in expanding their horizon and growing their universe. Thanks, guys. Tune in soon. Tracy Evans, welcome to ATBS, the podcast, all things big and small. Thanks for joining me remotely in the pod ship. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Tracy, we were talking in the lead up to this about here we are recording on uh, June 23rd, 2020, which I don't know if it's coincidence or not. I don't know if I believe in such things, but today is Olympic Day and Paralympic Day as designated by the U.S. Olympic Committee and I think the International Olympic Committee to some greater or lesser degree. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Olympic values and we'll tie that in and why. When you think of Olympic Day, what do you think of? Oh, goodness. I think about the Olympic values of excellence, friendship, and respect. Those values have always resonated and inspired me growing up as a kid, watching the Olympics, competing as an Olympic athlete, and now being able to also share them through Kids Play International, my foundation over in Rwanda and Cambodia. So it really, really resonates with me. And I've always tried to live by those values when I was an athlete and transform them into my everyday life in my work, you know, when I transitioned out of being an athlete. And then also, like I said, being able to share them, share them now with everybody else has been really very special to me. Seems like those values, we could all benefit from them every day, especially considering what is happening in the world around us and what is happening specifically in this country over the past handful of weeks. I could get on that bandwagon. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things with excellence that I love is that it's not, the way that it's defined is that it's not only always doing your best, but it's doing your best when either everybody's watching or no one's watching. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where whether your coach is there, are you still training as hard whether or not he's standing over you or she's standing over you, or if you're doing something on your own, same as a teacher or anything in life, just holding yourself to being that is, I think, difficult. And everyone wants to try to do the right thing when people are watching, but are you still holding yourself to those same standards when nobody's watching? I love that. As you know, I have two daughters who are 18 and 19 years old, and as they've grown, 
I've said to them many times, like a big part of what matters is what you do when no one's watching. You know, it's just you. You don't have anybody to answer to but yourself. Yeah. So excellence when people are watching and when they're not watching. I like that. Yeah, me too. Me too. The Paralympic values that really hits me is courage and equality, both of them. But courage, I think today too, is difficult. I think, you know, where we are right now, having the courage to speak up and speak out has been difficult for lots of people. I think through lots of different movements and whatnot going on right now, I think we've seen a lot of courageous people be able to be able to use their voice and hopefully in a peaceful, respectful, positive manner, which one of our values within Kids Play International is moral courage. So it's not only about courage, but it's also about the morality around it. So I think with everything going on today too, that is just a really awesome value to really try to help lead and guide your life these days. I like that. Moral courage, you know, the Olympic values, respect. It makes me think a little bit, Tracy, of in some ways, you know, everything we really need to know, we learned in kindergarten. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like, oh, respect each other and respect each other's space and use kind words. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about electronic communication, and how much can be lost, you know, here you and I are, if this were a hundred days ago, because we live in the same town, we'd be sitting together and you'd have a microphone in front of you. I'd have a microphone in front of me and we'd be looking at each other. And this is kind of the next best thing where we can hear each other, but we can't see each other's body language. Then when you go to electronic communication, you know, all of the subtleties, all of the nuances and the context are, are shot, right? Like they, they're thrown out the window. The things that people are willing to quote unquote say, they're willing to type, but I'm sometimes don't think that they would say it if they were standing in front of the person, right? That is something that I so strongly believe in. And anytime I have an opportunity to talk with youth, whether it's here in the United States or abroad, is that I always say, if you're going to type something on your phone, if it's not something that you are comfortable saying face-to-face to somebody, then you should not be typing it and you should not be sending it. Agreed. You have to take responsibility for how words these days across social media are so incredibly cutting and impactful on people. Not even just that the words can be harsh, but they can cause such mental physical anguish on people and the anxiety and everything else that is coming from social media, I think is just super, it's not social media. If it was social media and truly social media, it is about good things going on in our lives. It is about sharing silly things, fun things, good things. And and sure, it can be sad things, but boy, I sure wish we could get back to that and get rid of all of the really bad noise that really just pits people against each other. And at the end of the day, I so truly believe we all, I know people say this, but we do all have far more in common than we don't. Right. It's just sad that for me to think that what drives us right now is what we, you know, see or take for granted, you know, what we see and hear just on television or on social media. And, you know, at the end of the day, my personal feeling is that we are all perfectly imperfect people, humans. 
And it is something that I hope that maybe through what we're going through right now that we can be a bit more patient and tolerant and forgiving when people make genuine mistakes in what they may say or what they may do. And obviously there is that fine line of clearly, you know, someone who did not intentionally mean to say or do something. And yet we, you get persecuted very quickly for something, especially when, like you said, it's over an electronic device where there is no, nothing in your, your voice or your, your mannerisms that you really get to be able to explain things better. So it's just not a, it's just not a good platform in my personal opinion than to share things that are good in our lives. And we need to share more about good. Well, and people are really, really, it seems ready to pounce, you know, whether you're out driving on the roads and somebody makes a mistake or somebody's in a hurry and they, they clearly, they clearly need to go in front of you, right? Like so many people are just right on a, almost, you know, just, just right on edge and ready to pounce. And so when you read something or you hear something, and I was thinking while you were talking, if we were in to invite someone to sit on our front porch and have a late afternoon, evening conversation, you know, how would that be? How would we, you know, welcome them to our residence or our home or our, our space that we value? How would the conversation unfold? That conversation would be far different if it was sitting on my front porch or your front porch, sitting in a park. It would be completely different than it is when we see it electronically or in some other fashion. And I think that plays right into, you know, look, before we pounce on somebody, we could think about walking, you know, for five days in their shoes. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and <laughs> how about those front porches? <laughs> Well, what happened to our nice front porches? Right. Where you can actually, we get back to that? And can we get back to that? Mm-hmm. Let's do <laughs> where you that. actually like you don't have your fence around your yard, you know, hoping not to see anybody or talk to anybody. <laughs> right. Let's start a let's start a revolution. Let's start a front porch gathering revolution. Like, hey, come on over. Hey, how you doing? Wave to somebody on the sidewalk and then hey, come on up and have uh, you know, have a beer, have a cup of tea, have a something, let's have a chat. How was your day? Right. Yeah. One of our Clayfair values is respect. And one of those attributes that actually makes respect come to life for us is knowing somebody's story. Because isn't that so true with what you said is that, especially, you know, when you get to the social media, all you're hearing is just what we're seeing. You're reading what is just typed, but you don't know where that is maybe stemming from. You don't know their background. You don't know their history or maybe just even an hour ago, what happened in their life or in general. And so one of the things we try to instill in our youth is get to know one another. Take the time to actually listen and learn about somebody else before you just, like you say, pounce or judge. It goes a long way. I think we all are so behind our electronics that we don't take the time, even at the dinner table, to connect with one another as a family or, you know, as a husband and wife or whomever. So yeah, I think that that's very relevant is that knowing that story and storytelling and getting to know one another better. There are lots of distractions in our world, not the least of which are all these things that are happening around us, right? I mean, COVID, I think, I think adds a level of uncertainty. Uncertainty, you know, can lead to this unsettled 
really feeling unsettled. And when we're unsettled, we're not grounded. We're not comfortable, right? We're, we're out of our comfort zone. And, you know, seven and a half or eight billion of us on the planet are somewhat unsettled, some more than others, for sure. And then domestically, lots of unsettled vibe and for good reason, right? It's challenging being ungrounded and not having a clear view forward. Let's tie this right back into what we were talking about before we hit record, which is the path we're on is not necessarily the path we envisioned. So we can't see down around too many corners in life. So you've mentioned kids play international a couple of times. It's a big part of who you are. You've been doing it for a while. And so let's go back if we can, like, and tie in the, you know, the path that you're on is not necessarily the path you might have envisioned, let's say 12 to 15 years ago. So let's talk kids play international and where did it start? Like, oh, how did Tracy Evans get into this gig? Yeah. Well, I just blame it all on my mother. (laughs) (laughs) My mom has been a massive impact on my life and my father as well. They both are extremely philanthropic, but my mom encouraged, she's a nurse and at 83 years old is still, is still going at it. And, um, gosh, over 10 years ago, she just encouraged me to take a volunteer trip. She said, you know, you love to travel and, you know, experience new cultures and all of that. And so if it's your cup of tea, great. If it's not, you know, you experienced and gone to a new country. So I actually went to Malawi, Africa with a group of volunteers and it just so happened that they were excited to do sports with the kids that we were working with over in an orphanage. And, you know, the first day we're over there, we are playing soccer with the kids because, you know, soccer is the sport of Africa, you know, in developing countries like Malawi, you know, girls and boys, they're very segregated from the time that they're born. You know, girls have certain chores and obligations and responsibilities, um, very, very different than boys. So when we tried to get them to play soccer together, it was super challenging. The boys didn't want to play with the girls. They didn't know how to communicate. So I was like, wow, this is going to be a really long two weeks <laughs> if this is this is how it's going to play out every day. But the next day, we actually pulled out softball. And so they'd never heard of the sport, never played the game. And it was astounding because the whole dynamic shifted because there was no preconceived idea who should be playing baseball or softball if girls should even be playing the sport. And it just leveled that playing field. It was honestly one of the most impactful moments in my life because it really showed me just how quickly sport can break down these harmful gender, social, cultural barriers that exist between girls and boys in a really organic way. And I always knew sport is a powerful force to teach and whatnot, but I don't think I really understood the true power of sport until I saw this live. And I really saw how these boys and girls were just naturally and organically communicating with one another. They were, they were helping one another because they just simply didn't know a whole lot about it. And so for me, that was just a really big moment in my life. And on these trips, you always seem to connect with one of the kids or a few of the kids. And I actually connected with a little boy named Thomas, who was 10 years old at the time. And he came up to me to say goodbye. And he said, I see girls can play. And it was in very broken English. And so I had my interpreter come over and really make sure I understood him because I was a bit floored. But it was, he said, I see girls can play. And for me, it was 
such a moment to think that in less than two weeks, um, this little boy was able to just think about a girl differently and her contribution and her capabilities differently. For me, that was just super, super inspiring. I, you know, I was brought up in a family that my parents very much encouraged me to do the same things as my brother. There was no inequity that, you know, there wasn't something that my brother could do that I couldn't and vice versa. So it was just a really, really powerful trip for me. And, you know, my mom laughs and says, you know, I sent you on a two week volunteer trip and now 10 years later, it snowballed into this journey and this path of being able to share these Olympic values with kids that are so less fortunate than kids are here in the United States has just been such a tremendous impact on myself. Those kids inspire me every day to want to work harder for them and to try to allow and give them opportunities that they just simply would never, ever have. So you're on a volunteer trip. You see the power of sport. It opens doorways, changes perception. So you come back from a volunteer trip. How long did it take you before you kind of said, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do next? So, you know, I came back from the trip and initially and naively, I thought that it'd be fun just to do volunteer trips. And so my mom was also working in Rwanda at the time that next year we had put together another trip to go back to Malawi, but wanted to expand to other countries. So I went to Rwanda where my mom was. And I always say the countries pick me. I don't pick the countries. And I also have an affinity to read about the history of countries that I go and visit. You know, it's difficult enough for women and girls in developing countries, but when you throw a genocide on top of it, like Rwanda and Cambodia, where kids play does work, it adds another layer of, you know, that inequality and oppression that girls and women face in the simple things of life that we typically take for granted in just being able to go to school being able to own a piece of land, to be able to speak their mind, you know, a lot of things that girls and women just are not allowed to do in these countries. Um, where was I going with where that? Where did, you know, how, <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. Yeah. How did you return from your volunteer trip Oh yeah. to, and this is a good time to, to let people know, if you want to know more about Kids Play International, www.kidsplay.com intl.org is the organization that we're talking about. There's a ton of great information, all the background. We're going to talk more about it, but know that you can go there and check it out and see that all that Tracy is doing, you can get involved, you can go on volunteer trips, you can donate, you can do all those wonderful things. Kidsplayintl.org. So how did we get from volunteer trip to, I think I'll start a nonprofit foundation to further equality in developing countries? Basically, after coming back from the volunteer trip for two years, I, I just realized that doing a volunteer trip is not sustainable. And the impact is on the volunteers, which is good, but the impact long-term needs to be on the kids and the community over in these countries. And so I came back and really did a lot of research and found Edgework Consulting, Lou Bergholz, and his group that really challenged me to think about what was it that I wanted to impact and how did I want to impact. And so I knew that I wanted to use less familiar sport because it seemed to level the playing field more quickly. 
I knew I wanted to work in uh, countries that have been impacted by genocide. And I knew that I wanted to work rurally and create a program that went deep and not broad. I have a very, very strong, passionate feeling about I would rather change fewer lives than say that I've only touched a lot of lives. And so for me, promoting gender equality, it's a behavioral change. It takes time to happen. And so kids enter our program at age seven and graduate at age 18 so that there is 10 plus years to slowly shift the way that you think you act and you behave over time and be able to do this through sports and be able to so-called what we call try on these new behaviors and challenge them. And what I love most about our program too, is that, you know, it is okay to fail. That is how you're going to learn the most is through your failures. This learning gender equity is not normal in your country. You know, that this is definitely pushing and challenging your cultural norms. And so you're going to fail, but it's going to be how you think about and what you learn from those failures and how do you pick yourself up, obviously like brush yourself off and move forward and really learn those life lessons. And so everything, what we call is, is, is that these uh, new behaviors and ways that you think become sticky. And so they actually become part of you. And now over time, you're able to move forward and share these ideals and these playfair skills as we call them with other people and in other aspects of your life. I love the fact, Tracy, that you're focused and passionate about going deep. I've read through your website. I've, we've had some conversations about being in a community. There are places on your website that share the impact, like how many students, how many coaches, how many schools, you know, how many young people impacted over the long haul. And these are not thousands and and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands. These are, this is deep work that takes time and you're committed to the community in which you're working, right? I mean, I can only, that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our slogan is to build a better, more equitable community with a bigger purpose. That is what we're trying to do. It is a community program. You know, we have parents involved. We have three partner schools. Our program happens Monday through Thursday and every Sunday with a community day. It's a very layered program that is trickling out, you know, these Playfair gender equity skills that we have that really resonate on, you know, in the family, at home, um, in the school and, you know, within our program, of course. So you've been at this kids play international. Are we 10 years in? Yes. Okay. Correct. You must have a story or stories about somebody who came into your program at seven or eight or nine or whenever they came into your program and they're now 17, 18, 19 years old. Yes. We're just starting to graduate kids. Gosh, um, I guess the last two years we've had a few, we really intentionally started the program you know, with younger kids so that, like I said, the purpose is to be able to have them in the program for a number of years before they graduate out. Um, we have some of our, some of our graduated alumni that are now junior coaches and being able to share everything that they've learned through the program, become mentors to our younger kids and obviously leaders and, and, and whatnot. But Sylvie is one of our girls from Rwanda you know, her story is really about her brother was in a car accident and was killed. And her brother was just one of the very, very found, like 
importantly, that really held the family together. They didn't have their father either. And so now the mother really, she just didn't have a whole lot of hope in the family. But Sylvie, through being in our program, just absolutely, her mother said, stepped up to the plate. She took over the family. She was able to help her mother figure out how they were going to make money and uh, continue on with their life and help through the grieving process and be, be this leader as a, as a girl. And that was all, as she tells you, attributed to being a part of our program and ha- you know learning these skills to be able to help her family, even if she's a girl, and be able to be looked at as a respectful female leader in her community as well. And her neighbors also had talked about, we had interviewed them as well. And they said like, they all were so surprised at how Sylvie stepped up and helped that help keep that family together. That's, you know, one of, oh gosh, you know, many, many stories. I'm sure, that- I'm sure the stories abound. You don't, you know, I'm sure if we went there and we were able to interview and, and there'd be just incredible stories. So you can go check out our blog. There's a lot of great stories to read um, on our website blog as well. You know, go check them out, right? This is great work and it's deep work. And let's then come forward to you know, the path we're on is not necessarily the path we envisioned if we go back a ways. I, I think it's interesting to look where we are today in, in history and say, oh, well, you know, as we said earlier, there's more than a fair amount of uncertainty. And there's no real way to know where we're going to be five years from now, any of us, how things are going to play out. Hopefully there's great change in the world. I am an internal optimist and I believe that, you know, through the pandemic and the experience of the pandemic that our global family is and will continue to realize that we are one, borders don't really matter, skin color gender, religious beliefs, political leanings. We're one big family. You know, this pandemic, at least I know for me, it shines a light very brightly on that simple truth, which is we are all part of the human family. That to me, it seems like there are a lot of people who have a great deal of optimism for the future, for the future of our of the human race. And, you know, domestically, you know, it's clearly time for some significant change. For me, that goes back to let's invite people up on the front porch and have a conversation. Let's dive into a conversation that actually has some meat and some meaning. Um, And that's partly why that's partly why ATBS, the podcast exists. Like let's have informed conversations that engage and make us kind of scratch our heads and think, hmm, Yeah. You know, and I think one of the other aspects to that, and I think people have a harder time doing this now is that it's not about trying to convince somebody else of your opinion. To me, it isn't. At the end of the day, you don't have to agree on everything. And that's what makes our country such an amazing country is that we do have the freedom to be able to say what we want, to be able to think how we want. I mean, these countries that I work in, it is very restricted about what you can say and do and all that. So to have these conversations, the purpose should not be to convince somebody else that your opinion is the right opinion. It's just about like truly active listening 
of how somebody else thinks about a subject or feels about a subject and being able to truly listen and just listen. With the intent to understand, right? Like listening with the intent to understand. Yeah, or at least have a better understanding or perspective of where maybe they are coming from and vice versa. And again, it goes back to that, you know, one of the the difficulties is people have a difficult time feeling like you're in a safe place to be able to say something because you really just want to try to learn someone else's perspective. But people are afraid to even sometimes express what their religious beliefs are because of being judged for that or whatever, whatever it may be. People are afraid that they're going to be judged, right? Like we're in a very judgy sort of place, right? Like we're, and again, I I go back to the thought or idea that people, many, it's a gross exaggeration or, or generalization that it seems like people are ready to pounce and not everybody, of course. So, you know, if we can take a few deep breaths and we can try and empathize and be compassionate you know, with our listening skills and with our words and our, and then, Hey, we're going to make mistakes and let us not be afraid to make the mistakes. We've been making mistakes for a long time and we learn from them. Yeah. That's the only way to learn. I mean, again, I love the perfectly imperfect human. I mean, that is what we all are. There's no way to go through life without stumbling and making mistakes. That is life. That is the journey. That is the, you know, that is what makes your life your life is more often than not, you know, the trials, the tribulations, the obstacles, the difficulties, and how you work through them and how it molds you and changes you as a person. As Chris Waddell would say, and today being Olympic Day and Paralympic Day, you know, his tagline, his favorite line, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we make our mistakes. What do we do with what we learn? And then we move forward. And and so we've got to be able to stub our toes and make mistakes. I wrote down something that's on your website. Kids Play International leverages the positive attributes of sport to empower youth to challenge and shift gender social and cultural norms that reinforce inequality that resonated like i was reading through the page i was like well that (laughs) i like that and that sounds very relevant not only you know it sounds like it, it must be very relevant in the places you work and it sounds very relevant in the country in which we live today yeah absolutely Uh, you know through our program Let's Play Fair is is the name of our our main program in in Cambodia and Rwanda. We really are ultimately looking at how do you how do you empower girls and also develop supportive boys at the same time. So, you know, empower girls, educate boys. In these countries that we work, it is really about because like I said, the boys and girls are so segregated growing up with different responsibilities. Our program allows from a really young age for these girls and boys to simply interact with one another. And sport is such a great hook to do that. Part of what's so so incredible to watch is for these boys to be able to see the capabilities and contributions of a girl through sports, which obviously transfers you know, into being a good leader, into being a better team player between, you know, both genders and and all of that. So there's so many, obviously, 
life lessons from sports that help to break down those gender, social, cultural barriers, help boys and girls really be able to live, work, play together better. Over here, uh, the same things can can absolutely apply. You had told me in a conversation sometime last week that, in fact, when you say over here, I think you're speaking of the United States of America, yes? You had told me that there may be some universities that are looking at some of the programs that you have figured out in Rwanda and in Cambodia that seem to be working for equality. And they're interested in trying to figure out some curriculum that you might be able to bring to the party in our country. Is that accurate? That is completely accurate. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have such a good memory. Um, yeah. So our Playfair skills are community contribution, opportunity, moral courage, and respect. And so what's been ironic is in a nonprofit, they're always asking you to scale and and get bigger and all that. And so, as I said, we like to go deep and not broad, but we wanted to also be able to share these methodologies of how to create a more inclusive environment that builds these positive relationships through conversation, through using these Playfair skills. So having a respectful conversation, having a conversation that promotes community, conversations where everyone can contribute. So using those Playfair skills within it. So while we were building this workshop out with the intention to deliver this to other nonprofits that work with youth, I had a lot of people here in the United States say to me like, gosh, we could really use a lot of this right now, you know, whether it's in sport or corporate or, you know, even in school in university. So I'm fortunate I sit on the advisory board for uh, James Madison University at the Hart School of Sport, Recreation and Hospitality. So they're one of the schools that we're looking at talking with their athletic department and whatnot to be able to think about how can you build better coaching relationships with the youth that you're working with and also between the players. Judson University outside of Chicago is another university that we are also in talks with in being able to share this Playfair workshop that really helps to promote diversity, inclusion, and safe sports. One thing with COVID right now, you know, for me, it's really about being able to deliver this workshop face-to-face and in a very interactive manner so that you can really apply these skills immediately into how you coach or how you teach or how you, you know, lead in your corporation. We're now looking at how do you, at like everybody else, how do you make this virtual for the time being? But yeah, it's been really, really such an inspiration to me to think about how these Playfair skills so resonate globally, period. And how right now it is such a prime time to be able to try and have these more inclusive conversations that help to build better relationships and create an atmosphere that is more inclusive for everybody. I I just have a big smile on my face, as I often do during these conversations, where I'm inspired through these conversations. Um, I'm reminded of something else that Chris Waddell said. We oftentimes put people up on pedestals, right? We can put athletes up on pedestals. We can put various celebrities or whatever up on pedestals. And one of his messages is there are heroes among us. Some are just walking around in plain clothes, 
many, most, when you drive by a hospital, heroes work here, right? Like there are people who are really in the midst of providing and heroic acts all the time, right? And here you are talking about the things that you're talking about, doing what you're doing with Kids Play International and having what maybe a natural progression or just the progression of the organization to be able to come back, come and bring programming domestic. And because you sit on this board and because people have followed what you do, you're going to have an opportunity, it sounds like to me, to expand and do some really, really cool things domestically. Absolutely. So congratulations on that. And then I'd also like to say what many people may not know, it's too easy to lead with something like this. Welcome, Tracy Evans, three-time Olympian in the sport of freestyle aerial. Freestyle aerials, what do we call it? Freestyle aerial acrobatics? Aerial skiing. Freestyle skiing. Yeah. And, you know, three-time Olympian. We didn't lead with that. That's a great part of your story. You've referenced it many times, Olympic values, you know, your family, your brother. The path you're on is not necessarily the path that you would have known you'd be on and the whole freestyle skiing thing fits into that again tracy bravo for taking what you learned through you know a 10-year u.s ski team career three olympic games all the values that you learned and the skills and the adversity to overcome that you first learned from your family and then you brought to your sport and now here you are 10 years into kids play international I'm constantly inspired. And I think for the listeners, it's you can go to the website and you can see all this for yourself. We didn't lead with it and we didn't dig in and spend a whole bunch of time. As I like to say to people, we happen to live in Park City, Utah, which is a wonderful part of the world. But you really can't walk down the street without running into an Olympian. Exactly. We, <laughs> right? we, like, always, we always <laughs> say, I, and I'm married to a pilot, so we say you can't swing a dead cat without hitting an Olympian or a pilot. And so we're not very special. <laughs> I, like, I always say, like my husband and I, we're, we're just not all that special, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't lead with that, and, and for good reason, because Kids Play International is a great organization. I love what you're doing. I love the fact that there's an opportunity to bring it you know, explore where it can go domestically. I encourage listeners to go to kidsplayinternational.org and check it out. The international is I-N-T-L. Tracy, I huge thank you to you for spending a little bit of time, taking a break from all that you're doing and, and joining me on ATBS, the podcast. It is my pleasure, Jeff. I think what you're doing is awesome and really fun and inspiring as well. So kudos to you. And thanks. I'm I'm honored that you reached out and had me on your podcast. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. And I look forward to furthering our conversation, uh, maybe on the porch. You bet. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Tracy. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of ATBS, the podcast. I appreciate it. Well, there's another one of the good people in the world who is doing good for our global family. Thank you, Tracy. And thanks for joining us. Till next time, stay safe, healthy, and happy.